Jeff, I, uh, I can only say that I find your statement to be boorish. You're listening to What Else But WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. 88.3. Mamón, hijo puta, cabrón. Well, uh, it's a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Well, <laughs> Condoleezza Rice, I guess we'll just start off with oh, her. Man. Brain damage award for claiming that the events in the Middle East are the birth pangs of democracy, whatever the heck that means. Um, leave it to the Bush administration to sit idly by. Well, uh, and we can talk about this eventually, the issue of proportionality. Uh, the Israeli uh, military has inflicted over seven times 9-11 style damage on Lebanon. Um, and uh, George Bush decides to dispatch a saleswoman. <laughs> Because uh, I don't know what Condoleezza Rice is anymore. She's got about as much credibility as Secretary of State is. Uh, oh, I don't know. Karen Hughes is a uh, spokesperson promoting uh, American values around the world. She's uh, quite a number of days late and several hundred million dollars short. Uh, you might even say $3 billion. <laughs> Yeah, $3 billion. Um an unannounced visit to Beirut, uh, which apparently at least had the effect of stopping the bombing in Beirut today. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, the the Bush administration has, and politicians in general, to be fair, have often fallen prey to the bungled metaphor. But you know, metaphors aren't always necessarily to be taken literally, but they do carry with them different connotations and to talk about what's going on as birth pangs is she's just shooting from the hip when she says that she can't have i mean if she thought about it in in advance and that's what she came up with she really is an idiot well maybe she got confused about the stem cell uh debate indeed (laughs) a pressing concern Uh, yeah leave it to bush to uh i don't know have a uh stage managed uh veto signing bill with uh, in vitro fertilized babies on hand, cleanly scrubbed, washed, and uh, noticeably white, by the way. (laughs) Man. Uh, While, of course, uh, I've jokingly said that what the, uh, some of these governments in the Middle East should do is forget about armaments, uh, defend yourselves with fertilized uh, uh, in vitro uh, eggs, test tube babies, just start buying liquid nitrogen. You don't need to worry about uh, armaments to defend the Bush administration. If you can convince uh, the GOP that these are human beings, well, there's the problem. I think a lot of people on the, particularly the religious right, would fail to see Shia Muslims as human beings, as sad as that is to say. I'm afraid that really does seem to be the case. Uh, especially if you listen to some of the 
hardcore bonehead programming uh, coming out of uh, Rush Limbaugh in particular, but WJR in general. To touch base on that again later, but to continue with Condoleezza Rice for a second, because besides the uh, birth pangs of a new Middle East, well, <laughs> back up for a second. Okay, what precedes a birth and impregnation? Who's getting screwed in the Middle East? Well, okay, you can everybody, <laughs> everybody, pretty much. Um, but her other comment that I just have to call attention to is this quote. Uh, and this is from the Financial Times' article by Sharmila Devi. Uh, I have no interest in diplomacy for the sake of returning Lebanon and Israel to the status quo ante. I think it would be a mistake. Wait a minute. Isn't that the point from which diplomatic discourse and engagement can begin? When you can, okay, cool it, cool it, everybody cool it, sit down, shut up, sit down, shut up. Now let's sort this out. I mean, in conflict management, in you know, grade school uh, classrooms, that's what you do. You don't just automatically. And here's the real bizarre news from today in the Financial Times. Uh, same writer, Sharmila Devi, uh, article headlined, U.S. Stands by Israel as Envoys Hit at Bombing. Um, Israeli media uh, said officials expected to obtain at least another week free from U.S. pressure to end the Lebanon offensive. Wow. This is something that the Israeli media is getting from their military officials, and we're reading about it in the papers. Oh, yeah, America's going to give us another week to go at this here, and uh, then they'll put pressure, quote-unquote. I mean... If you're being told you've got a week's notice before the pressure is applied, that's not pressure. Yeah. That's that's a that's a pass. It's a reverse deadline. Or her other bizarre comment. I could have gotten on a plane and rushed over and started shuttling and it wouldn't have been clear what I was shuttling to do. Okay. I thought you were the Secretary of State. Um sounds like she's still trying to get her talking points about the Bush convoluted policy, and indeed that there is an interest uh, that the Bush administration has in keeping this going. Oh, uh, First of all, the yeah. media is focused on Lebanon, not Iraq. And, and things continue to go poorly there. It's pretty much been the worst uh, in the history of the occupation of, of, of America over there since uh, 2003. You're talking about just this last week? The last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's been bleak. Absolutely incredible. Um, also, and I, uh, this is my cynical view of the matter, but I don't think altogether uh, off the wall or off base. I think that there are substantial elements in the Bush milieu, <laughs> to use the uh, the word of David Emery. Oh, i got to talk about David Emery later, too, but go ahead. <laughs> um, I think that there are elements within the Bush milieu that, that actually want to see this continue, uh, that there is... First of all, the uh, <coughs> millennials that don't mind seeing a, a major war with the Israel involved directly, uh, that means Jesus is coming. Hey, poor, hey, poor, Jesus is here. <laughs> yeah, he's coming. He's going to kill all you people and elevate me, part of the chosen elect, to heaven. He's coming around the bend. There's a lot and, of people uh, like that in the Bush administration. Of course, what what is it, 140 4,000 Jews need to convert to Christianity for uh, 
Right, according to the uh, actual end time scenario as unfolded by the insane. Hopefully we can get a, <clears throat> you know, a running total going on somewhere in Times Square. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Number of Jews that have con- converted to Christianity uh, in recent days. Ding, and now it's clear for the Messiah. All right. Uh, unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> that that, what's going on is going to force a large-scale <laughs> conversion of Jews to uh, Christianity. And if that doesn't work, bring in Michael Palin and the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw a Monty Python episode the other day that involved that skit. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I think there are another group of people within the Bush milieu that, believe it or not, actually think the solution, the long-term solution, may well be continued Muslim sectarian violence. Mm -hmm. Oh, if only we can get them to kill each other. Um, Us and Israel won't have to do so much killing. Um, I'm not surprised that that's probably a view that's openly discussed within the Pentagon. Uh, It's in America's long-term interest. Because if you'll notice, there is this profoundly bizarre theory that somehow this series of events in recent weeks... And, by the way, the media, I think the coverage in terms of reporting what's going on has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. But the analysis is horrible. The notion that this somehow started a couple of weeks ago with a couple of kidnapped um, Israeli soldiers by Hezbollah and, what, one soldier taken by Hamas is sort of ridiculous. I mean, there have been consistent uh, Israeli bombings over the, the past six, uh, six months, just for instance. Um, for instance, um, if I can find some of these items that I just sort of randomly picked up uh, regarding some Israeli operations. On May 21st, Stephen Erlanger, who's uh, the New York Times' sort of senior Middle East uh, correspondent, who, by the way, had a very good interview Last I, I caught part of it with uh, on uh, Fresh Air regarding his perspective on what's going on. On the 21st, he reports Palestinian intelligence chief is badly wounded in bombing. Israeli airstrike kills high Hamas commander. That's dated uh, June 9th of this past summer. So uh, there have been ongoing provocations, quote unquote, well, and attacks on civilian infrastructure. Yeah, for months and months here. This is didn't start two weeks ago. That is ludicrous. And then for Congress to get in on the act, what did they pass a, a, a resolution in the House of Representatives, 410 to eight, right? That essentially rubber stamps what Israel is doing. This is incredible. Uh, and then of course, over the weekend we have. Not a surprising report whatsoever, but uh, the headline is U.S. speeds up bomb delivery for Israelis. Request is seen of sign of longer campaign. And this is basically an article that Israel has requested replenishment of their arms. Because left out of all of this carnage is that American weapons are being used here. In the article... it, It notes, by the way, that in 2005, Israel requested... Uh, that they wanted to buy and obtain as many as 100 GBU-28s, which are the 5,000 laser-guided bombs intended to destroy concrete bunkers. So these will be used any day now. If Some of them have already been used, is my understanding, because Hezbollah is allegedly shacked up in these sort of 
um, hardened bunkers uh, with underground tunnels. And, of course, Israel's having difficulty uh, eliminating Hezbollah in the process. Uh, there's no signs of any uh, real progress being made. There's just hundreds of civilians dying and Displaced. hundreds of thousands, I mean literally half a million, uh, according to the United Nations, as many as 750,000, according to human rights groups, of people that have been forced to evacuate Lebanon, which is slowly being um, turned into rubble. It's a disgrace. And, of course, also in the process, in the, in the midst of this article by David S. Cloud and Helene Cooper, they report that the Bush administration announced Thursday military equipment sale to Saudi Arabia worth more than $6 billion, a move that may in part have been aimed in terms of deflecting inevitable Arab government anger at the decision to supply Israel with munitions in the event that the effort became public. Well, I'm sure that George Bush has quickly given security clearances to uh, lawyers that are now going to investigate the leaks because it's interesting these reporters note that the um, new American arms shipments to Israel has not been announced publicly and the officials who described the administration's decision to rush the munitions to Israel would discuss it only after being promised anonymity. The officials included employees of two government agencies and one described the shipment as just one example of a broad array of armaments that the United States has long provided Israel. Well, once again, we have anonymous government leakers occurring here, leaks occurring here. And I'm sure that the <clears throat> Detective Clouseau is on the case in the form of Alberto Gonzalez investigating the leaks. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's always interesting to see a, a, a real passion when uh, it hits closer to home. Um, you, you mentioned the word milieu earlier in reference to uh, a, a term uh, frequently used by uh, Dave Emery heard here on Friday evenings. And I just wanted to mention briefly, I don't know if I want to give Dave Emery a brain damage award because I risk offending a number of good friends if I uh, do that. But I do have a continuing and an ongoing concern with his use of a term, Islamofascism, <clears throat> which I'm beginning to hear in other mainstream media sources. And I think it's, it's intended to be a slur, I think, mm -hmm. because there is nothing inherently involved in Islam itself which predisposes it to fascism. You could just as easily have the Christian fascisms that spread across Europe. You could have Judeo-fascism, Buddhist fascism. There's nothing specifically or, or inherently about Islam that is inclined towards fascism. And while, of course, really what he means is totalitarian. And yes, you can have a religious totalitarian state. I mean, by its very nature, uh, a state premised upon one's religious affiliation or identity should raise questions. Um, there's another kind of weird uh, ambiguity to uh, the composition of uh, what it means to be an Israeli, but that's another category. But I think that uh, this term Islamofascism is, is really misleading. Um, you can denounce Hezbollah uh, for any number of legitimate reasons. It's a violent organization. It's a kidnapping organization. It uh, 
it's a destabilizing uh, agent, et cetera, et cetera. But to go back to what you mentioned earlier about uh, how did this all begin, if if somebody in the West, particularly America, the sponsor of uh, the, the biggest players in the Middle East, both Israel and Egypt, <coughs> they receive uh, annually hefty sums, um, would have put some pressure on Israel early on to say, hey, you don't need to bomb Gaza to get back at these, you know, obscure Hamas elements who have kidnapped an Israeli soldier. Uh, that's why Hezbollah took advantage, moved into that vacuum, that, that ethical vacuum, and said, well, if nobody in the world is going to stand up for Shia Muslims who uh, live in the world's biggest ghetto in uh, Gaza there, well, they took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, I just think that the term Islamofascism is, is a troubling one. And I would encourage listeners to use a term like totalitarianism instead, which is more generic and I think more specific uh, than this term Islamofascism. So, yeah, and that that's a reference to some of the analysis that he does, uh, some of which I agree with, and some of which I think is a little paranoid, but more on David Emery's. Yeah, I, you know, I I would find myself in the same situation, agreeing with some of his analysis, not with others, but that term I do find problematic. I think that some of the connections that he brings up are 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 very interesting and important uh as it relates to history. Of course, the term fascism itself has always been somewhat problematic for me because it's always been a little it's it's thrown around a bit. Yeah. Um and it's also a a situation where Technically, if you want to go back and study the, you know, where did it start? It started with Mussolini, and it's really a sort of um, melding of corporatism and adherence to a mythical past uh, glory, as well as a sort of religious. Uh, it, you know, it's a little bit like the kind of world that George Bush wants: corporatism, exactly. the state as religion, state. You know, this sort of commingling of the two. Uh, a real departure, by the way, from the America that one th would love to believe that w that uh, we should be living in. Right. I think another thing that's very interesting about all of this, uh, these goings on in the Middle East, is how the spin regarding this uh, this this Hezbollah situation has been. The blame has been shifted by the American government onto Syria and Iran. Um, the Iran theory, by the way, is based on the notion that uh, there's, you know, the there, there was g growing international consensus to do something about Iran and the bomb, uh, you know, the nuclear program, and that this is a diversion from the inevitable pressure that was going to be applied to Iran through sanctions, uh, diplomacy, etc. Mm -hmm. And what is interesting, when you go back and you examine... Um, just a poll from a year ago regarding various countries around the world that regarded Iran as the greatest danger to world peace. The U.S. in Iraq is a great danger to world peace. People were asked this question. And the only two countries of these major countries, and they interviewed people in Turkey, Jordan, Spain, Russia, Britain, Germany, France, the United States, Japan, Pakistan, and India, which covers a considerable a uh, significant chunk of the uh, or developed world as well as some uh, Middle East countries as well as 
ostensible allies, quote, on the world uh, war, uh, war on terror in presumably Pakistan and Jordan. I would argue that Turkey has sort of wisely kept their distance from American Indeed. policy uh, regionally for a variety of reasons. And it's fascinating to discover in this poll that only the Germans and the Americans of those countries, including Britain, by the way, who regard Iran as a great danger to world peace versus the United States. Um, this from a poll, by the way, by the Pew Global Attitudes Project, interviews conducted April through May that's of 2006. Pretty, that's a pretty conventional and even mainstream organization. Very conventional. Th these are recent um, this, uh, polls taken, um, and this was an, a little article in the uh, Sunday New York Times magazine, uh, America the Untethered, Why Our Exceptionalism Has Become Excruciating to the Rest of the World. This, of course, suggests that uh, Bush's uh, global war on terror is in tatters. Um, or to quote uh, Maureen Dowd, who had a pretty good uh, <laughs> humorous uh, uh, approach to Condoleezza Rice in a recent column in which she discusses uh, her... <laughs> Upcoming. Oh, that was a good piece. Trip to the Middle East uh, to uh, pursue diplomacy, quote unquote. She uh, concludes her editorial: the cowboy president bet the ranch on Iraq, and that the war has made almost any other American action in the Arab world and any Pax Americana that might have been created there impossible. It's fitting that Condi is the flying Dutchman, since Lebanon re represents the shipwreck of our Middle East policy. And indeed, last week I discussed how it's almost po a poetic tragedy that the events in Lebanon have brought this entire region back 25 years, really. Yep. Uh, the, the Basically a war between Israel and Lebanon, an invasion of... And there is a war. I mean, Israel has invaded Lebanon. Let's, let's not... Uh, well, you can't really call it a war between Israel and Lebanon, as yeah. Martin Indyke does in a op-ed piece in today's Financial Times. He calls it a Lebanese-Israeli imbroglio. Well, Martin Indyke uh, is an expert, perhaps, but he's hardly objective. He's a former high-ranking official at AIPAC uh, before he served as Bill Clinton's uh, ambassador to Israel. Uh, clever phrasing there suggests that it's a Lebanese-Israeli war. In fact, it's an Israeli-Hezbollah war in Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon is basically the victim. And, of course, unfortunately, the, the demands made of the Lebanese government are completely unrealistic. Um, this is a weak government. Uh, and incidentally, by the way, uh, just briefly on Syria, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous that the United States... <clears throat> of course, cut off diplomatic relations with Syria several years ago and continues publicly to somehow claim that Syria can exert influence on Hezbollah to, to cease what it's doing. Uh, this is just a complete misreading of what's going on there. This, this Hezbollah organization in southern Lebanon is an autonomous terrorist group. Yes, there is um, nominal Syrian support um, but the idea that they take their marching orders from Syria um, or c in a comparable way in which uh, it was interesting that Tony Snow and State's 
spokesman person, I can, McCormick, I can't remember his first name, made the comment that the United States doesn't determine Israel's war policy. How interesting if it had been turned around the other way. Indeed. Does Israel determine America's war policy? And should we have an examination, uh, a congressional investigation into the origins of the uh, Bush-Iraq war? Um, with, with uh, you know, former, uh, current and former uh, Pentagon and State Department officials that seem to have concocted with uh, Netanyahu a, a, a plan on attacking Iraq back in 95 that seems to have suspiciously made its way into the American agenda uh, shortly after 9-11. Uh, one wonders, uh, and of course, Allmart, uh, just to briefly talk about him, let's let's not forget that he is yet another former Likudist. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's in a new party called Kadima, uh, but this was a spinoff from Likud created by Ariel Sharon. He's a protege of Sharon, and this is just one more example throughout the entire almost 30 years now since Likud ascended to power in Israel, essentially, in which Likud has created a disaster for America in the region, starting with Begin, Shamir. Uh, you look into uh, Omar's background. It's interesting that his father, Mordecai, was a cultured Russian who took up farming in pursuit of his Zionist ideals and became a leader of the Irgun, uh, the most hard, a diehard of the underground militias trying to overthrow the British mandate over Palestine. Involved frequently in acts of terror, it must be added. Yeah, and then it, it goes into his uh, his background that he uh, served in uh, the Shamir government in 1988 as minister with or without portfolio and eventually became the minister of health. <laughs> um, hmm. Nice portfolio. Well, you know, he's... In charge of, of Israel, ostensibly at the moment. He's directing this policy. There's been a lot of discussion about his inferiority complex, that his, he's trying to reassure the Israeli people that he will be tough. And I think it's pretty silly where they take these polls of the Israeli public saying, well, 78% of the people support what Israel's doing, therefore it's right. Well, there is an active... Uh Anti-war movement in Israel. Uh, it it needs to be. Uh, I'm curious to know what some of the Arab countries think in terms of what Israel is doing, whether it's wrong. Uh, I'm willing to bet it's more than 78 um, percent. It's, you know, it's it's just a total disaster. What's what's really going a slow disaster? What's going on? Well, and it's in nobody's long-term interests either, except for potentially Hezbollah. And you, you mentioned earlier the uh, likelihood that there is an element within the Bush administration that wants to see uh, this sort of sectarian violence between Sunni and Shia Islam. I mean, if you look at the history of American policy in the region, that was what determined our initial tilt uh, towards Saddam's Iraq uh, once the uh, Islamic Revolution in Iran ousted our good buddy the Shah, who, by the way, had begun an atomic program himself. Yeah. with U.S. support, uh, then the policy began to be looked at in light of, well, let's see if we can help Iraqis kill uh, Iranis. And, they can, and, of course, the scandal that emerged some months later was that we had been sharing intelligence with Iran still. 
And, of course, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait were bankrolling Saddam Hussein's war uh, against Iran, and this is part of this broader Middle East concept that I think is sort of beneath the surface that no one dare talk about publicly. Indeed. That there may actually be a tacit agreement to create a wide-scale Shiite-Sunni schism uh, that, of course, would apparently marginalize Osama bin Laden, uh, but on the other hand, maybe not. It's interesting that the Bush administration has decided to ship $6 billion in armaments to Saudi Arabia. Uh, perhaps Saudi Arabia is expecting some internal instability themselves, both either from Shiite uh, dissidents, whatever, and or Osama bin Laden, who's got uh, his own uh, gr grievances with the Saudi government. Well, there's a large guest worker population within Saudi Arabia, uh, any number of whom are likely Shia. But how interesting that Condoleezza Rice finally gets on uh, the plane to uh, to the Middle East shortly after a uh, meeting uh, with Saudi diplomats urging a ceasefire. Uh, George Bush, donde esta? <laughs> well, he'll be going on vacation soon enough. Yeah, it's vacation season for the president. He can do a little uh, horse riding out there and a little uh, clearing of the brush. Clearing of the brush. Uh, holding more press conferences in which he asserts well, the, the sanctity of life. All right. Uh, next, and next defends week those might, frozen embryos. Right. Next week might be a good week for him to take off. He's already given uh, Israel the uh, the go ahead. Apparently, they've got the new weapons on their way. So, kind of a hands off week for the president. In uh, our nope, no more time. So we'll have to save that for uh, next week. Thanks to Chaz for engineering this week. And do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And just remember that number, 7.5. That's the proportionality involved in the Middle East currently as it relates to 9-11. Good night. Davis in the background doing Mr. Jim or the Walking Dog Blues. I guess there's two titles of that. Anyway, he's telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues performed and lived 
by the men and women who first put it down on vinyl in the early 20th century. And those recordings that are more contemporary, such as this one done in 1964. This is off a original blues classics collection called uh, The Guitar and Banjo of Reverend Gary Davis. <laughs> 